The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday Champions League preview. Atletico Madrid against Bayern Munich. We got Man City against Porto Ajax against Liverpool and so many more matches. We have James Bench and Jimmy Conrad with the betting and analysis. We have so much to cover. Let's get to it. Lasso Wednesday preview Champions League. We had a full day of action on Tuesday. Now we are looking ahead to Wednesday. We got Atletico Madrid against the defending champions, Bayern Munich. We got, what else we got? We got Ajax against Liverpool, Man City against Porto. My God, so many matches and it can't be just by myself. Jimmy Conrad joins me once again, but this time, oh man, we're so happy. We're so happy to welcome James Bench from London. Bench, how are you, my friend? I'm so good. I'm buzzing from a crazy night. Um, that Liver- that Man United PSG game was stupid. It was a stupid game of football, and I loved it. <laughs> That's why we love the game. That's why we love the game. Well, Bench uh, and Jimmy, we are going to dive right in straight away. And let's begin with, obviously, the key matchup here, the, the big one, right? The defending champion, Bayern Munich against Atletico Madrid with Lucho Suarez should be a good one. Jimmy, start with the betting tips and, and, and analysis, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. So on William Hill, which is where I like to put on my trunks and swim in the warm waters to find some good value for you guys. Uh, Bayern Munich is the heavy favorite, eh, relatively heavy, heavy favorite at minus 180. If you want Atletico to win straight up, this game is in Germany. Everybody's plus 450. For me, the value's in the draw, plus 340. I know it's straight up. I know it's not some crazy prop bet that I found in the deep weeds or anything like that, but plus 340 for the draw. And I say this because I think that Bayern Munich struggles with Spanish opposition. That's one. But also, I just like what Atleti's got going. I like they, they thrive in being the underdogs. And I think they're the underdogs in this one. When they're the favorite, like they were against RB Leipzig in the last iteration of the Champions League, they struggled. And now with the addition of Luis Suarez, Joao Felix seems to have a little bit more confidence. Diego Costa, you can see Angel Correa, uh, the guy that wears a number 10, doesn't always play the number 10 position, as it were. Uh, you know, he's still busy and trying to find some space. I, I like that a lot. Plus the vulnerabilities of Bayern are their back line. And then with... Uh, Serge Gnabry out with COVID and Leroy Sané out with injury. I just think that weakens their attack a little bit. And I think they're ripe to get a draw on this one. Obviously, they've got some star players, Robert Lewandowski in particular. But I love the draw and I love this value at plus 340. So Serge Gnabry uh, out with COVID, I think is a big one. Right. I mean, we know how talented Bayern is, but Sergio Gnabry, especially in continental competition and knockout stations in key moments, he is the man. Right, Benj? I mean, but obviously Bayern still has so many talented players, Lewandowski, of course, and, and, and others uh, behind him. How do you see this game, Benj? I think it's really about can uh, Atletico Madrid shut down those those Bayern Munich flanks. And it's much easier without Gnabry. I mean, Douglas Costa is a pretty decent backup, but... As you say, Serge Gnabry is one of those clutch performers um, in the Champions League. He comes up big in the group stages and I think they will miss him an awful lot, a lot more because it helps having that consistency when other parts of your team haven't quite gelled yet. No one's quite sure who the starting left back is. Has Alfonso Davis fallen out of favour? 
If not, does he maybe go further up the pitch and you have Hernandez playing deep? Uh, Joshua Kimmich looks like the long-term replacement for Thiago, but I don't know if he's going to be, you know, ready to take on that role um, from the from for t- tomorrow's game. And then Atleti, even though they've lost some big players, it's just such a system where players can plug in and play. They know what's needed of them. I mean, by all accounts, Lucas Torreira had a fantastic debut, um, and he's the man that's succeeding Thomas Partey. It's a few Arsenal connections for those of us that are interested in those sorts of things. Um, I'm really, though, intrigued as to how Atleti deal with the flanks. I really like Trippier and and Lodi uh, defending those flanks. It's going to be hard, but I'm with Jimmy. I think that they might be able to just sort of spoil this game and get a draw. I don't think it's going to be a an easy one on the eye as much as I would like it to. I think it's going to be the polar opposite of PSG, Man United. I think it's going to be tactical. It's going to be the sort of game I say I enjoy, but <laughs> I wish it were more gold. You make a good point uh, about players like Kieran Trippier. I th- like He's the kind of player that belongs with Diego Simeone because Diego Simeone will turn him into something so much more than you could. Have. I mean, a- anybody can be that. Griezmann was like that, right? So uh, here's my question, though. And I think, Jimmy, this is for you because you also think about this. You know, the midfield, the center midfield for Atletico Madrid can be a little vulnerable. And when things are not going their way, suddenly, like, for some reason, even though when we're talking about players like Coque and Saul, like, the, the, the creativity kind of dies away. Yes, Lucas Torreira is now there to try and help support, but he's not a creative sort of move-the-chains kind of player. And I feel that sometimes Bayern Munich is the kind of team that allows you, like, obviously, defending champions, amazing. Uh, one of the favorites to win it again. Uh, but they also allow you to play, especially I- I- at the beginning of the tournament. What, how do you see Atletico doing? Can they, can they steal this one off? Um, anything more on, on this team? And we, of course, haven't talked about Joao Felix. Yeah, so what I was going to say, as much as I think that Diego Simeone will help improve players with their defensive acumen and their understanding of how to move individually and collectively. The flip of that is I think he sometimes strips away the magical powers of some of these talented attacking players, most notably the man you just mentioned, Joao Felix, who seems to have been stifled in some ways. He doesn't seem to be playing as free as he did when he was at Benfica to to almost be himself. And now he's playing in a system that maybe handcuffs him a bit from doing what he wants to do. And we can look back at that RB Leipzig game in the Champions League. He didn't start. Marata didn't start. And they really lacked any kind of quality or personality. And then Joao Felix comes onto the field and does something by himself. It gets a penalty. And then kind of the game changes from there. He has that type of ability. And I think now with Luis Suarez there, I think that's going to take a little bit of the attention away from Joao Felix having to be the guy game in and game out and let that go onto Luis Suarez's shoulders, who's used to it. And then Joao can maybe blossom a little bit in a different way. And obviously the advice he's going to get from Luis Suarez is going to be second to none. So obviously those two in particular are going to create some opportunities for you, no matter what. Through 90 minutes, something's going to happen between those two. I just worry about where they create. Sometimes it feels very predictable, and I'm sure James would say the same. Because they don't have that creative oomph coming out of the middle of midfield, they have it with Carrasco on one side, and they have it with uh, Correa on the other. But, but, but Lucas Torreira... Uh, Saul's out. He's injured right now. You got Koke in there too. I think they're going to be more worried about Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller is a tremendous player. One of the top players in assists in all of Europe last season. They're going to be more worried about him than really like, how do we transition? Can we transition the team very well? And then what I just feel like the way they create space and where they create their numerical advantages doesn't feel consistent. And that's where I get frustrated. I'm an Atleti fan. I'll just come out and say it. A great deal of respect for Madrid and for Barcelona. And I just want to stay out of that conversation entirely and just enjoy it as a neutral. So 
but so Atleti's my team and I get frustrated watching them sometimes because it doesn't feel like they have this consistent attack that's just so overwhelming. You don't know how to stop it. Well, Atletico Madrid has lost five of their last six Champions League matches against German opposition. So Thanks, we'll Luis. Thanks for reminding me. Appreciate <laughs> it. We'll see if the storyline... I'm just giving you the stats, man. I'm just giving you the stats. Bench, final thoughts on this game. Who wins it? No one. Oh, yeah, that's my man. I love you, Bench. Boring. I'm big playing. I'm sitting on that fence. Sitting any, on that any, any goals? Any goals in this one, Bench? Uh, maybe one, one per team. I feel like Bayern will make one mistake and Atletico will punish them. Bayern will make lots of chances, but they've got to score against Jan Oblak. So one all. There you go. What about know. Jimmy? You you gonna go and venture out with a with a result, or are you just gonna wager? Uh, no, I'm gonna say a draw. I think that's the best value there because I think that they're gonna suck it. Yeah, they're gonna suck all the fun out of this and somehow get a result. That's what. Well, listen, Tuesday was horrible for me. I ate a lot of humble pie, and I'm sure I'll do it again. But I got Atletico winning this one. Let's get Atletico Madrid winning this game. Now Let's you jinxed it. You jinxed it now. I got to take this jersey off. Remember what I said on HQ? I'm like George Costanza. Whatever I do, do the opposite. All right? Like that's exactly what's going to happen. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about another big game. This is a good Wednesday for this one. Ajax against Liverpool. We know about Ajax and how they're not just good in the Champions League, but in their Eredivisie. And of course, just the way that they nurture, develop players. They find talent at a super cheap level and then they just sell it off and the system, the philosophy continues. But now they're playing Liverpool, um, who, you know, had a tough result against Everton, uh, you know, score notwithstanding, because really we're talking about Virgil van Dijk and his loss, his absence due to a horrific injury. We wish him all the best, but... Here we are, Liverpool without Virgil van Dijk. You know, do they have enough at the back to try and protect against an Ajax team that is surely going to be hungry? Let's begin with you, Bench. What do you see in here with Ajax against Liverpool? I mean, it's, it feels like the obvious story, but sometimes it's the obvious one because it's the right one. Liverpool are without the best defender in the world for the rest of this season, and they don't actually have many other centre-backs to fall down on. I'm just checking, but it looks like Gerald Matip is quite possibly out of the trip to Ajax. So oh, wow. you've got a, a centre-back pairing of Fabinho, who I'd, I'd like to see him have a go there. Um, and and Joe Gomez, who is fantastic, but a bit, you know, learning his trade, still a bit young. Uh, this, you know, we go back to what Liverpool were like before they signed Van Dijk, and it was a transformative signing. It took them from a top four team to a title winner. Um, and, you know, you had some other additions like Alisson, but really Van Dijk was the one that made everyone around him better. And I think these early games are going to be a real struggle for Liverpool in terms of redefining their system, particularly because in attack as well, Van Dijk, his long passing is such an underappreciated weapon. And it's the other thing is, it's just playing on Liverpool's mind a bit. I don't know if people have seen Gini Wijnaldum's press conference before the game as well. He was talk it's still they're talking about the anger that they're feeling about losing um, Van Dijk. And I understand it, but like, Guys, get out of your heads because yeah. Ajax are coming for you and we know that how good they can be and how fearless they are and how they quite often take advantage of teams that don't know what to expect early in this season. I think this is going to be a really tough one for Liverpool. In the end, when you've got that front three, when you've got Salah, Mane, Firmino, when you've got Thiago as well, I think he's back. For, oh, no, he's out as well. But when you've got even that midfield, there's still, there's still enough quality to make pay, but... Liverpool need to get their heads in the game. And I think it felt like a lot of people around that club went a little bit over the top about Van Dijk. 
I don't know if you guys have seen some of the oh, crazy yeah. stuff that's been said in in England or on ESPN. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. We obviously there's been such an emotional reaction to it. Like Jordan Pickford should be out as long as the injury is out for. I mean, it was a horrific injury, but it's not like Jordan Pickford woke up that morning saying, "This is exactly what I'm going to do on a yeah. double." Play. We don't have to keep going on about it, but I think that the point that you really bring to town, well, there's two. One uh, is. You know, Liverpool is missing one of the, not just a key component for his team, but just for the overall spectrum of the game as a center back. And it's not like they can replace him with somebody just as good or even close to being good. And the second one that you bring is they're in their heads a lot. Jimmy, apologies because I should have begun with your betting tips. But why don't no, we go? No, it's there? fine. No, no, no. I think I, th- I like the analysis. Sometimes it gives good context and or contrast to, to what I want to say. Well, there you go. I think in this group, because they have it's Ajax, Atalanta, Liverpool, and Michelin. Ajax has to see this game going. I don't think, I are, I don't think Liverpool are going to be as emotional at any other point in the season than they are right now. They're vulnerable right now. They they don't know who they are right now. They've lost a big piece of their identity. Somebody who's a rock for them, their captain, and he's gone. And that, they don't have Allison in goal. And Adrian hasn't really lit it up as the backup goalkeeper. They just shipped seven goals the other day with Virgil Van Dijk and their team. They just don't seem the same as they were before. And I think that's just part of the challenge of having to maintain success as opposed to trying to climb and go get it instead, which is what they were doing for many years. And there's going to be a drop-off there. Ajax has got to be licking their chops. This is a good chance for them to do it, especially at home in Amsterdam. They have a young player, 20-year-old Mohamed uh, Kudus, who has a goal and three assists. Uh, I think he's a very, very good player, somebody to look out for in this one. For me, though, because you can't sleep on the front three of Liverpool at any point, any time, the best value that I could find for you guys on William Hill was plus 100, Sadio Mane scoring any time. You could get him at plus 400 to be the first goal scorer, but I think just to be safe. Plus 100 is good value. I mean, you put 100 to win 100, and, and, and I like that one a lot because Sadio Mane is one of my favorite players. He's so good. Yeah, that's a really good one. Sadio Mane to score at any time. That's a plus, good – Plus 100, a, yeah. I like it. I like it. You mentioned Mohamed Kudus. I like him as well. He's kind of like – he plays right behind the striker, mm-hmm. sort of false nine-ish, really good player. And then the other one, of course, that I think that people got to remember is Dusan Tadic on one side and David Neres on the other one. Uh, but this is an Ajax side that just won 5-1 in the, in the league this weekend. Like, they feel confident. They feel good. And, you like, <laughs> you know what you're getting with them. It, they're just a really good, well-managed team that will probably take advantages of clubs that are mentally maybe somewhere else. I don't think that Liverpool's going to go in there and not be focused. That's not what I'm saying. But to both your points, is there too much sort of at stake mentally for, for Liverpool bench. Do you, do you think that if you're going to try and beat Liverpool, it's kind of now? It's now, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to keep bringing up that Villa game as well because I know my host wants to hear hey, about man, it. <laughs> <laughs> the, that, the, they're struggling to execute some of their basics at the moment still, even with Van Dijk in the team. We saw that, that suicidal high line without the high press to go with it now. Do they do, do all those trigger movements still work when there's so many key components missing, and any mistakes that that they make this time? It feels like not only not only do they not have a goalkeeper that will, will bail them out, they have one that's going to heighten any errors. Um, I'm, I'm I completely agree. This is the moment to this is the moment to get Liverpool equally. You know what Jurgen Klopp is like. He will know that. He he knows all about the value of emotions, and I'm certain he will look to turn this Van Dijk injury into a rallying cry for this season. Just on Ajax as well, I'm really looking forward to seeing Quincy Promes. He's been sort of 
uh, a talent that has has been, had his ups and his downs, but it, it feels like one of the things that Ajax have done well and we don't always credit them for is is rehabilitating players that are in their late 20s, whereas they used to be just a load of superstar kids. And, and Quincy Promise, I think, is, could be really interesting, his battle with, uh, with the Liverpool fullbacks. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Let's stay in the group. Uh, Atalanta against Michelin. Um, Atalanta, for me, are just, I love them so much and I'm not the only one. We know exactly what they're going to bring. You know, Gasparini's side just wants to punch you in the face every single time. Um, but Michelin is a super interesting story. I actually talked to the manager, Brian Prisky, and their captain, Eric Svetchenko, and they are so, they're, first of all, they're owned by the same owner of Brentford, uh, Matthew Benham, who, like, you know, won his money through smart arts and gambling. So they're very data-centric, but they're also a family-oriented uh, team, Some very humble, uh, very united, uh, and they're ready to cause a stir. I mean, you never know. It might not happen in this game, but they're trying to, to tell you, this is our debut. We're only 21 years old as a club, but we want to make a statement, and you, you never know what could happen. Is there anything there, Jimmy, in that game? Atalanta against Michelin. We love Atalanta. I mean, Michelin's got to be worried, but can they even nick a point, do you think? I don't think they can. I was disappointed this past weekend with Atalanta's performance against Napoli. Never in a million years, but I guess in 2020, we can expect the, the impossible to happen that uh, Gattuso would outmanage Gasparini because I thought that he did in that game. And it was a very comprehensive performance from Napoli. So uh, fair play to them on that. I'm trying to find some value for you guys here. It's tough. You know, I, I, I think some of it is you have uh, Papu Gomez. He can score anytime plus 120. That's not the worst ever because they're going to get a lot of chances. With all due respect to Michelin, you know, I'm going to see it very similar to Ferenc Varos uh, today against Barcelona. It's going to be very hard. I mean, they might have that one chance that maybe gives them the early lead. And then Atalanta is like, okay, we're going to turn it on now and just score 17 goals on you. Just very similar to what Barcelona did. Uh, and so that's what I like to see. And so I'm going to try to find some stuff. The first goal score, Duvon Zapata plus 330 or 333. Uh, that's very good. I'm trying to find an assist. And I think that will be, will be good. I want to get some, some of Benj's analysis and I'll keep, I'll keep digging here on William. Yeah. Let's go, James. What do you think? I mean, listen, um, we, we don't know much about Michelin, right? But from some, from the things that I've discovered is there a team that they're willing to just work together as a collective unit. It's just that, the worst way to make a debut in the Champions League is against a team who cares nothing about really defending and more just getting in your face. And to Jimmy's point about losing to Napoli, Atlanta's probably going to be hungrier than ever to try and like sort of turn things around. How do you see this game? Is there anything interesting? Uh, definitely from a, from a neutral perspective. Well, look, there's always something interesting when Atalanta are on the pitch. I hadn't uh -huh. seen much of them until last season's Champions League. And they're just one of those teams where you kind of think, throw the notepad away, just sit back and let this beautiful footballing madness rush over me. I mean, you know, obviously you, you've, you've had plenty of experience with Michelin. One thing I know from, from covering their, their sister club, Brentford, is these are smart, smart people who will have been preparing for this for a very long time, will be prepared not just for the Champions League, but for this game against Atalanta. And they will, you know, they will have Atalanta analysed to the nth degree. I don't know if there's a plan you can come up with if you're Michelin to stop Atalanta, because it is just a wave of attacking energy and, and direct football. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm really intrigued to see them have a go. I think this might be one that I have to watch actually, just because it's such a it, it's one of those games you don't get in Europe anymore, where you still have this team that's 
a bit a bit new. I think Atalanta are still for a lot of European people. We've not seen a huge amount of them outside of Italy, um, and they're still catching our eye and seeing them against a a, a real unknown. It's going to be quite a fun game. Yeah, and let's let's not forget before we get to Jimmy. Let's not forget. Listen, we, we're talking about Atalanta and how great they're doing and whatever. We have to remember that this is a team that has the budget of a mid-table side in the Championship. It's not like we're talking about a a Man City or a Liverpool, or like because they're so good and and in your face that they don't also have a sort of Cinderella story. So it's two good sides, well-owned, well-managed, and just just to see what happens. Jimmy, did you find anything on that one? I did. I think I don't think uh, Michelin's going to score. You know, I thought they did really well to in the Champions League qualifying. They were at home playing against Slavia Prague. They gave up a goal very early in that one, and they came back to score four, three of them very late after the 80th minute. And I think that's when, when Slavia Prague just kind of opened it up and then they just scored a bunch of goals there, which is so the score is a little bit misleading. I think they have a tough time to score. I don't think they've faced anybody like Atalanta in quite some time. So I think Atalanta only being the only team to score is plus 195, which actually is pretty good value. And then there's the correct score stuff, which gets a little dicey. But if you know your heart, if your instincts are telling you something, you can get Atalanta plus 800 at 2-0 exactly. Uh, 1-0, I think it's going to be even really tight, which could happen, right? We saw it with Chelsea. They gave up a lot of goals. Then all of a sudden, Frank Lampard's like, we got to tighten it up, and they didn't give up any to Sevilla. Maybe we see something similar because they just shipped four against Napoli uh, not too long ago. So maybe they really focus on that, and they don't really put as much emphasis going forward. So Atalanta 1-0 is plus 950. And then if you think they're going to do it and still get a shutout, uh, plus 1,100 for Atalanta to win 3-0. So I think there's some fun value there uh, that I would probably consider for sure, especially that plus 195 with Atalanta scoring only. There you go. Before we uh, go to Man City, Porto, let's talk about Gladbach. I mean, I've, we've talked a lot about them. We, you know, uh, our good friend JJ really likes them. Uh, very well managed Bundesliga side, playing against Inter Milan, of course, the finalist of the Europa League. And of course, just lost the Milan Derby this past weekend, but we know how good they are and how talented they are. Uh, Jimmy, what do you have for us in that game? Uh, Gladbach is, is very well liked and very well respected. Yeah, what's what's cool about Gladbach is they're kind of the cool hip team. Like if you're in New York City, you're a Gladbach fan, you live in Brooklyn. You know, that's like yeah. the cool spot to go. And I think you guys could uh, attest to that. You know, what's interesting about Gladbach is they're not the favorites in this one. If they're going to win straight up against Inter, it's plus 440. The draw, I could see maybe a plus 305 is some good value. Again, I'll start to get into the weeds. There's so many games, everybody. Just got to bear with me on this as I try to find you guys some good value. But what I like about Gladbach is that they have five goal scorers. Only they've scored five goals so far in the league, and they have five different goal scorers. So they can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And, and I like that about their team, that they don't just rely on one person. I thought we saw that today with Dortmund a little bit, where they are very heavy on Erling Holland. And if he doesn't get anything going, then, then what happens? And I think Gladbach has a little bit more diversity in their attack. And I think that's going to be tough for Inter, who are very stout defensively, but they did show some weakness against AC Milan in the Milan derby this past weekend. Anything on this game, uh, James, who do you like? I mean, Inter Milan, we know how good they are, but like Jimmy said, uh, you know, the Williamsburg of the Champions League, uh, Gladbach <laughs> is, is, is in here trying to cause some damage. Marcus Turam, Lillian Turam's son, is in, you know, such a big fan of, of not just, the, you know, their, their team, but their system as well. They play very smart, neat stuff. Him and, and, um, and Alessandro Player up front, there's, there's two quality forwards there, and... I think this interdefense, particularly with it, we were talking about this before the Milan derby, the injuries are piling up. And I know this is cliched, but eventually these things become cliche for a reason. This is Antonio Conte. It's the Champions League. He's not got a hope in hell. He does this every <laughs> single year. 
he's going out in the group stage. Maybe it's like Sevilla. Maybe he just can't help himself but gravitate towards the Europa League. But I mean, there is something quite odd about Conte in this in this competition. He's had a Chelsea team that you would think would be perfectly set up for cup competitions. You know, he had that great Juventus team. Admittedly, it was never going to get to the heights it got to um, in later years because he was he was there at its birth. But the fact that it never ever clicks just makes me think, and the fact that Conte's so particular, so obsessive, and he he really wants to win Serie A, doesn't he? Yeah, it just makes me think: is there something? Is there just something that about the Champions League and him that it's just not going to click? I think I went for them in our bold predictions. I went for them to to not make the um, knockout round. For, for that very reason. Um, admittedly, my predictions are looking a bit stupid when I said that Man, Man United not qualifying wasn't a bold enough prediction. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Conte and the Champions League, I know it's lazy punditry, but it feels well, like something that is a real thing. Sometimes laziness really just hides itself as truth. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's what's going to happen. I mean, listen, the, the statistics to this one leading up to this game are kind of conflicting because Gladbach have only lost two of their last 15 games against Italian opponents in European competition. Uh, but Inter have lost five of their last seven UEFA Champions League games against German opposition. So something has to give. And maybe just because of the vul- vulnerability at the back for Inter Milan might be just a lesser factor, sorry, a bigger factor as opposed to Gladbach, uh, you know, just being, you know, giant sized by a talented Inter Milan team. Maybe Gladbach takes this one. Any final thoughts on that one before we move on? I, I just think you can't sleep on Romelu Lukaku right now. I, of course. I, he continues how, can we get, not, how can we talk about this game and not mention Romelu Lukaku? I, I just think his partnership with Latara Martinez as well. I, I like the, the emergence and continued evolution of Barella, the number 23 for Inter, who's starting to really show what his quality is for both club and country. You know, I think when Hakimi starts to get more comfortable out on the right side under Conte and, and Perisic, starts to get reassimilate back with his old team after he spent uh, last season winning the Champions League with Bayern Munich. Uh, Kolarov, if you can just stay on his feet and not kick people and make bad defensive decisions, you know, I think he'll be a welcome addition as well. I think they got the guys. Now they just got to get them, get them healthy, especially on the defensive line. If they can do that, they've got everywhere else covered. They got a good goalkeeper in Handanovic. Uh, and, and I like this to be a tough game for them because, to Benj's point, Conte just seems to make these games difficult. They don't need to be difficult, but somehow he finds a way to make them difficult. And, and this might be one of those things that, that Conte is just snake bit. He's going to be like the Zlatan of, of managers. He, he's obviously clearly a world-class manager, but can't seem to win uh, a Champions League. Yep, yep, yep. Let's move on uh, very quickly. Lokomotiv Moscow against uh, RB Salzburg. Jesse. Marsh uh, returns to the uh, Champions League. Uh, We talked to Brendan Harrison for CBS Sports. He'll be there in January, but this is a good team once again. Uh, Very quick uh, betting tips on this one, Jimmy, before we go to Man City Porto. Yeah, I would say that the number one guy to look at at RB Salzburg is going to be the big player that you have maybe haven't heard of yet, but you will at some point. His name is Pat Sendaka. He's their striker up top. He is tremendous. They had a friendly against Liverpool, and yes, it's only a friendly, but it happened just two months ago, and he scored a brace in the first 15 minutes, and that was with Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk uh, holding it down. Now, obviously, the defense has been a little leaky since then, so maybe that was a trend that, that Jurgen Klopp should have been paying attention to. But this guy is tremendous. So if you have him, and I think Salzburg's, Salzburg's going to win, so if you have him scoring both teams to score and, and uh, Daka to, to, to score as well, that's plus 260. I really like that bet a lot. Yeah, I'm also a very big fan of Hungarian Dominic Storoslai. I think he's fantastic. You're not the only one. 
Very There's good. A lot, lot of talent. Bench, let's start with you on final game. Man City against Porto. At least the, the final game that we we're going to talk about here. Manchester City against Porto. Um, a lot to talk about because Porto can be tricky because they're full of confidence and they're full of swagger, but they're also vulnerable at the back, which is kind of the same thing about Man City. So especially in the Champions League, Pau Guardiola is still looking to win a Champions League without Lionel Messi. He's still looking to try and get that win for Manchester City. How do you see this game, the opener for Man City against Porto? See, I don't buy that they're going to be vulnerable at the back anymore. Now, we're going to have to, there may be some teething problems, but Ruben Diaz, even in the first game, looked a really solid centre-back. Nathan Ake is a great investment. Um, and Kyle Walker looks back to his best. And Eimerick Laporte was kind of in and out of the team last season. So, at the very least on paper, they've, they've kind of fixed that big defensive problem. And I went for City as Champions League winners because if you fix that defence, well, everything in front of it is brilliant. It's a it's a, an engine that, that is still ticking along. It's maybe not quite as joyous as it was, you know, in seasons two and three of the Guardiola era. But still, there's that obsession with the Champions League. I think it means more to them even than getting back the Premier League. And just so many options they can throw at this Porto team. City have made a habit as well of just cruising through these groups, rarely getting out of second gear, winning, you know, five and drawing one of their games. It's a it's a really quality team. It's a it's a versatile team. We saw on Saturday Pep Guardiola played. Um, I don't know what formation it was. There's a mass of players with a load of false attacking midfielders, false nines, false fullbacks. Um, I think there was about six players ganging up on uh, Kieran Tierney at, at one time. It's really interesting. I think these guys are going to be really good this season. I know we've you know we've we've had our fingers in the fire with with City before, but. I like the look of them. I like the look of this group. I think they're this year. Jimmy, what do you see here? Betting tips, uh, analysis. Well, yeah, I'll get I'll get to those in a second. I, I just want to say that I agree with Bench. I think Man City has strength in the defense. I think Laporte, even when he played for Lyon in the Champions League, I remember getting pretty critical of him. I thought they were playing a high line and taking big risks when they didn't need to. And I did want to commend them because I thought they really locked it down against an Arsenal team who came in with a lot of I don't know, a lot of flavor, a lot of momentum, a lot of uh, enthusiasm for their attack and how Aubameyang was playing and all this. And I think they gave up one good chance to Saka and, and uh, Ederson ended up making the save. I, I like what they're doing right now. It seems in, in some ways kind of the trend, get your team shape right. And I think Pep needed to do that. I think he got away with it. Maybe got a little spoiled because his, his front players were so good. Their, their high pressing was so good. They didn't have to worry about the back line as much, but it cost them last year. And they made some amends and they just got some good hardworking guys. They don't necessarily they aren't the best passers of the ball, which is where I think Laporte's specialty really is. But I like, I think he's found that right blend that could potentially lead to success. Now with regard to this game in particular, we really just have to decide guys, whether we think Porto is going to score. I think if you guys tell me that you're feeling Porto will get one goal, then I can give you some better value here. Porto did come off the weekend beating Sporting Club de Portugal in the big uh, Derby, which is, uh, you know, one of the three big derbies or three big teams in Portugal. That's going to give them away from home as well as in Lisbon. So that's going to give them some confidence going into this one. So maybe if they get a goal, so match result of Man City uh, wins, but both teams score, it's plus 140 to Man City. I like that a lot. I think Portugal, or excuse me, Porto has some, some firepower, but uh, Man City's so good right now. And, and even with some guys being hurt, Laporte being one of them, Kevin De Bruyne being another, uh, they still have so much depth. It's kind of scary. Yeah, man, you can add uh, Benjamin Mendy and Gabriel Jesus to that injury list, but you still have a very strong 
Man City side. And history favors Manchester City in this one. They've played Porto twice in the competition, won twice. And guess what? Porto has played uh, English competition 21 times. And guess how many times they've won? Zero. In fact, the last seven times they have failed to score. So, you know, this is not favoring Porto in this game. And to the point of uh, both of you, uh, there's enough firepower and arsenal for Man City to take care of business in the opening game. Anything else to conclude with this game before we wrap it all up? I I, I think it's really, I I always feel sorry for teams like Porto because they're just about good enough that good teams take them really seriously. And they go, ooh. (laughs) <laughs> good team Portugal. But they're nowhere near good enough that if yeah. Man City take them seriously, they aren't going to get absolutely hammered. Well, you know, they still have the history of winning the whole thing with Jose Mourinho. So, you know, it's not like everything is doom and gloom for them. But yes, no, it's, it's been worse. These games are always really, I always feel these games are really rough on the mid-tier. Like, you know, whoever the bottom team is in that group, City will sort of put, you know, Liam Delap up front and they'll just kind of win 1-0. <laughs> But, you know, first game out, Porto are just going to get the full Pep Guardiola experience. And this is probably now going to end with a nil-nil draw, but I feel like they're going to really pay the price for being considered. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. I feel very old, by the way, too. The fact that we're talking about Liam Delap instead of his father is kind of ridiculous. Um, I want to thank Jimmy, Conrad and James Bench for an amazing show. The preview of Wednesday's Champions League action. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on Gego Lasso. We will see you next time. Guys, I want to thank James Bench and Jimmy Conrad for joining me today. I hope you had a great time and I hope you enjoy Wednesday's action. We will see you next time very shortly. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.